Welcome back to What Have You on a Hot Streak. I'm Rachel <laughs> I Jankovic. Know. I know. I'm Becca Merkel, and we're on number three I mean, in it's like a, a it's row. a whole new podcast. We should yeah. revisit the old topics <laughs> now that we're starting out. Um, yeah, so yeah. I got lots of private feedback about people affirming our choice to be revengeful old ladies. <laughs> And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, last time, so I assume that if we shook you off last time, then you're not listening now. This time, so, so that's okay. It's all right. Yeah, it works and out for everyone. <laughs> I did realize though that the thing that I really should have said that last time was that we're big fans of breastfeeding your babies and not your jobs. <laughs> Like somebody sent me so we have a a friend who is a I think a labor lawyer is that what it it's called whatever it is it's workplace it's employee okay. rights sure. you know lawyer in that regard she sent me some stuff from kind of a California um you know it's all about the requirement to have nursing facilities and like know your rights as an employee sure. and, and it actually just is interesting because it's like no all of your tender, loving, devoted care must be to your cubicle. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. may take quick breaks in the bathroom if you must to feed your baby. But beyond that, yeah. we want the real not nursing. to feed your baby. To pump. Yeah, to, to lay away opportunities but, to feed your baby <laughs> another time. Right, but the whole, the whole thing <laughs> is that her comment was that it always uses the kind of language that sounds very pro woman when it's actually very pro pro employee (laughs) like it's pro line pro make money for the man not not whatever anyways that's not what today's episode's about no just a quick reprise (laughs) just wanted to remember if you if you got really annoyed last time and then you were like, oh, maybe they won't talk about that this time. <laughs> I just wanted to really, I just wanted to bring you down right in the beginning. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah. But life, we're just in that part of life that's really hauling off and wowing us. There's Ezra <laughs> speaking forth from the back seat. That's the I think cutest. he's asleep, though. That's Don't. the cutest. That sounds like somebody talking in their sleep to me. Yeah. I've been, I use a, this is just, I should have said this for a tip, but this will just be my opening tip. The app done is a habit tracking app. Okay. And someone had recommended it to me a while ago, but I found that I had no interest in it because I don't, I am not motivated by clicking off that I drink water. Okay. It doesn't really sure. do anything for me. So okay. what I would do is never open the app to sure. check what yeah. habits I meant to develop in the first place. So <laughs> it just was un it was yeah. not helpful. Yeah. Um but now that I have because of the stuff that I do with Ezra is way more than I can keep in my mind. And sure. because a bunch of the stuff that I need to do with him I do four or eight times a day, which yeah. is more than so you can you remember need, in any given day yeah. how much you've done that. So I, op- I made the, the habit tracker is now the thing that I use to track what I've done with him. Yeah. So basically you can set each habit, how many times a day and what oh, days nice. you need to do okay. it. And then I just added to that in, now that I have his list, I have my Bible reading and my um, water drinking are in the same because li- uh, yeah. because you have to open now it I anyway. actually am looking at it yeah. all the time so those are the things that I remember and yeah. notice and my big weird well it's not weird but this is the time of year when I always say I need to set a phone reminder to not drink so much coffee okay because it starts getting cold and it's getting dark mm. and you just start thinking another cup of coffee is what would really do you right until, <laughs> until you give yourself a heart problem and lockjaw <laughs> and you're like, what have I done? What have I done to myself? Yeah. So, but my, my approach now is to drink a quart of water first thing in the morning a and quart. then a quart. that's a lot that's a lot to get through i do it with a quart jar by my bathroom sink oh and my then gosh, i will Rach. drink one after lunch okay that's but hard that's rough no, is this it, before or after your coffee after 
after, so you do your coffee first. I have coffee then first. Then you yeah. drink your quart. Then okay. just when okay. I get up and I'm getting ready, whatever, I drink a quart of water. And I okay. pretty much drink it all in one go. Which is funny because it is just... <laughs> just like sushi for me which is that I can really enjoy it right up until the last bite where I feel like I'm gonna throw up <laughs> and the last swig of a quart of water just gives me this like <sighs> but then I'm fine you know what I get just yeah. as a passing moment yeah. uh and it basically but the, but the thing that I find is that like I was telling my husband the problem is all the problems that you can have one of the real baseline things you ought to try is drinking water. Like, mm. are you getting headaches? Yeah. Are you tired? Are you not? Sure. You know, whatever. It's yeah. like, well, are you drinking enough water? So this is my way of sort of powering off the phone and powering it back on in the morning. Like, let's just start <laughs> with the, let's make sure yeah. that we're drinking yeah. enough water. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah. That's good. But the habit tracker, if you have any recurring things that you mean to be doing. Yeah. And actually... I could imagine a world where I start adding more stuff to sure. this to do things I think like one of the habits you'd have to get into was the habit of opening the app up and using it. Well, that's what I mean is if you actually have to do something I, like for me, it's Ezra's program sure. because I can't do it without yeah. looking at the list. Yeah. So, or I can do some of it, but I certainly can't do mm -hmm. what I need to mm -hmm. do yeah. without looking at the list. Um, but if you, that app though is is nice. a good one nice and if you have i, like I actually it. feel like it and would it's be called done done All it right. would be good look i'll show it to you so this is his so oh, yeah on each one when i you know like say i when i do it you oops wow it did a sound effect in the car <laughs> there you go you all got to hear it it moves the color up so when oh, you're yeah. done with okay. it it fills it all okay. the way and nice. the thing is, nice. is because you can set particular days and like the morning and yeah. the afternoon, I could imagine adding my rhythms of housekeeping things yeah. to that where I'm yeah. like, oh, this is the morning where I meant to clean the downstairs bathroom. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what I want to make sure I get done. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I'll have to check and it out. And because you could do things like this will be three times a week on these days in the morning. Yeah. yeah. So it comes up. And, you know, I could see there being some value there. No, I think that that's very smart. I, like I used it. to try to figure out housekeeping, like, rhythms. Like, how often do I want this thing to be done? Mm -hmm. yeah. Is it once yeah. a week? Is it twice a week? Is it every right. day? Is right. it every ten minutes? That's sweeping for us. We could have to sweep uh, every ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Non-stop sweep. For yeah. sure. For sure. Yeah, so that's my hot tip that okay. should have saved she it for the end. got ahead of it. Yeah, yeah got ahead of the game right got there. It, got it here now. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I had something, unless you had something that you were wanting to talk about. Yeah. Do you? You know. Oh, yeah. Well, Becca, I'd like to ask you to do a quick monologue while I quickly check our messages, because there was one that we got that I a know. A monologue. <laughs> I would like to recite Gungadin. <laughs> Ah, oh, good old Gunga Din. Becca likes that one. I just for what it's worth, I I can't recite Gunga Din. I could recite a lot of other things, Isn't it but about, not that what is one. the what is the line? Is a better man than you're a better man than I am, Gunga Din. That's yeah, the last you're a, line. You're a better man than I am. Yep. And <clears throat> yep, in fact, okay. Now all I'm doing is <laughs> all I'm doing here is locating I'm like I don't even know how to find our how to locate our chats. See, oh, this might explain to some people why they maybe don't hear back. We don't know how to find the chat. <laughs> I'm like somebody I think somebody said something to me. No, there was a a question. We got a question that I was like, oh okay, look. Uh uh, okay, this is actually a pretty big question. I think that this is... Okay, I'll read it. I have been listening to your podcasts from the beginning and keeping a mental list of all that your kids do. On the one hand, they attend school, which takes up a chunk of their day, as well as homework and extracurriculars, like sports and choir. On the other hand, 
You want them to be readers, be creative, and enjoy God's creation. Things which generally take quite a bit of free time to develop. Then you also want them having servants' hearts, helping around the house, as well as being part of a strong family culture with family dinners, conversations, and traditions. Then there's broader community involvement, hospitality, Sabbath dinners, church involvement. My question is, how is there time for all this? What principles do you use for making wise decisions about your kid's time? What has this looked like at different ages? Uh, any tips for balancing the needs of littles who need more time at home and bigger kids who need more experiences? I hear a lot about the dangers of overscheduled, overscreened kids uh, and the importance of long stretches of time to be outside and have unstructured play. Do you think these are legitimate concerns or is this just a schedule minimalism with similar pitfalls to minimalism? So, yeah, I this Good is questions. Yes, and I thought, oh, that's actually those are some things that I feel like we could try to the biggest thing I would say is if you're listening to our podcast from the beginning then you're you're actually listening to like uh, a lot of Years time a lot of time through a lot yeah. of people's lives so Becca has five kids and I have now eight but that's a lot of different people hitting different ages and stages and yeah. what's happening and what's the yeah. family focus at different times so yeah. like if there was a podcast episode, which no doubt there was, I don't know, where we talk about, like, your kids and books in the house or whatever, we could lead you to believe that this is a thing that we are always focusing on or spent. And the reality was there were specific years where accumulating a good library was a big part of my life mm. and it isn't as much now even though I still buy books we just have a ton of kids yeah, books yeah. in our house yeah. so as much as I at one time was like this is why this is so important I still believe that but it's not like the big focus of my no, but it, it is like you know sometimes you really work well this is me right now hassling my way through trying to settle the land in our new bedroom, which we did a big, I don't remember if we talked about this, but yeah. rearranged the bedroom. And now like I've got boxes of stuff that had a place to live in the other bedroom, but there is no place to put it in this one. So it's this constant like, well, what if I drag this piece of furniture out and move the other one in? And it's like solving a Rubik's cube because every uh -huh. time you make one step forward, you've created a problem uh -huh. in the other room where you move something out. Anyway, so I'm still in this, but once you get it and you have solved the Rubik's Cube, then you move on to something else. It's like that can yeah, just, like, it's like that can stay put now. So it's like if you're working on, right? yeah, like building this, the home library or whatever, now it's there and now you can use it and now you can move on and, and you can and troubleshoot something else. you thought thoroughly through this one time. Which means you don't need to do it again. Right. Sometimes, like, there were times that there would be a specific, um, like, there was a time when I was really on a why can't I make a good dinner roll journey. Sure. And it was, like, a thing that bothered me, and I kept at it and trying mm -hmm. different recipes and trying this. And it wasn't, like, all the time. It's just, like, when it came up that you, yeah. like, this is a time for this. Well, after what was years, actually, of baking subpar dinner rolls <laughs> for <laughs> sure. I mean what I'm saying is I was plotting on that just when I got a chance whenever but then you figure it out yeah and then I don't anymore have that question sure I just know what I do and this is one yeah. of the things that is a real gift about having daughters is that one of the things that always shocks me a little bit is that what can take me a lot of work to get to, they just start at that. Yeah. And so there's no, it wasn't right. like, they don't have to go back in time through the things that were hard won right. <laughs> knowledge well, for me. <laughs> I, I feel like to, to bring it back to like, what do you decide, you know, like how do you prioritize different things in your kids' lives? I feel like, yes, there are things like, okay, if you want your kids to be readers, you got to have books in the house. So that's like one uh -huh. challenge. But then you might do all the work to get the books in the house. And then you might have a kid who just doesn't like to read. And so then, then it becomes a more specific. That's why question. I ever bought a series that was, I have, I just cleaned out a bunch of kids books and I got rid of some that were real whiz bangers of like, um, 
oh, what was it, like, trapped in a video game, uh, like a thriller of an early reader <laughs> was trapped in a video game, or one that has features on the front of it. Someone possibly with a cast on in the water with a shark. Like, the kinds of things that might appeal to a boy yeah. who's not much of a reader. And just right. wasn't as right. gripped by it. And then I got rid of... I mean, we, they were not fine literature. They were just things that we had to try to help yeah. encourage that. And now we don't need those anymore. But I guess the thing I would say is that, yes, you want... There are some things that just are a standard yeah. in our life. Like, you will read or you will get an education. Yes. It, it has actually, there's plenty of things that we tell our kids. In fact, I recently had reason to tell our, one of my children that Shakespeare's not optional. Like <laughs> one of the things on the buffet of life is not, I don't, you, you do not get to say, I don't like Shakespeare. Sure. I don't care if this is not your favorite. I don't care, but we're just going to all say Shakespeare is excellent and we're not trying any hot new takes <laughs> quick, well, a quick hot take about how Shakespeare's not good yeah. is going nowhere well I do feel like the like for us things that were non-negotiables were yeah you're going to get an education all of our kids are going to get that like God willing and thankfully that was his plan for them as well because we're on the other end of it but like it wasn't like oh maybe we will maybe we won't we'll just see what the kids are right. interested in maybe some will totally it's like no everybody's gonna get this and right and that's true for us and like but everyone's we, going to be helpful cleaning up we're, but sure but then there were other things where it's like we don't have any everyone in the family will ice skate or Everyone in the family will be into no, so deer hunting we or would something. Say you know, like it in was... our in our own family, since I have four daughters, I would say gladly every one of my daughters will be domestic. Like that this is a thing that I yeah. care about, that they care about. Every one of my daughters does not need to crochet or every one of my daughters right. does not need they actually and this has happened fairly naturally that they just fall out into the things that they're most yeah. attracted to and gifted in but it's not like I'm trying to I want them to have a working competence that means they're not afraid to try things that they don't know how to do but they certainly are not all like fully certified seamstresses no. that can do or and, like we don't have we have not developed all of those skills and that is not something that I worry about. I just feel like there are certain virtues that we wanted our kids to have, like being productive, being disciplined, um, knowing how to work hard, like those kinds of things. But the way that you work those out with fam from family to family, but also individual kid to individual kid is th that has, there's a lot more scope for in our family, you know, you might have a family that's really into ice skating and that's what you do, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but even there, then trying to make sure that you're cutting with the grain of the kid in a way. And I mean cutting with the grain in a deeper way. Because you might have a kid who is not at all athletic, not interested in being athletic. And that is why you're going to say, no, you will play softball. We are going to put you on the team, you know, and, and it, so when I say cutting with the grain, I don't mean like doing everything the kid wants, but it's tailored to each kid's, like this kid could use some work here. They need to learn how to sure. be interested in something besides a video game, or they need to learn how to play on a team, or they need the discipline of showing up for early morning practice, or, you yeah. know, like there's all kinds of those little pieces, but for us, it was never because, like, in this family, we're passionate about, you know, basketball. No. But and you it, might have used basketball totally. at and various one of the things, times. One of the things that I would say is that all of our kids, actually, uh, down to Moses, I mean, Ezra, who's, every one of them now has had a time where there was a physical 
something that was hard that was but it typically was a season. Yeah. Right? Like, it's a season. Yeah. So, my younger boys are playing football right now. So, it's a season yeah. where they come home desperate to eat, beat up, dirty, meaning, yeah. like, and this is a season. But that is not their whole life. Right. Because football will be over. Yeah. And we will not be like, but you have to keep on having this same experience all the time because we care about it. We care mm-hmm. about it. When we have the opportunity, when it is feasible, yeah. we do that. But I think how much the Lord works on his children in seasons of different kinds of, like, mm-hmm. think of what pregnancy is other than a season of a certain kind of yeah. having to grow. And then, like, I know, I think it's funny, like, going back to life with a baby, I feel like there's, it's like I have to dust off some skills that mm-hmm. I haven't had mm-hmm. to use in a long time. And skills, like, actually, skill might be a wrong terminology for that. Dust off some, like, spiritual states of being more <laughs> yeah, is what sure. it is. It's like like where you remember, like, it's familiar in a way, but also yeah. not. And I think there's nothing wrong with there being a specific season with a child where you're really focused on something. Yeah. And then it doesn't need to be the focus yeah. for whatever. But I think you're right to flag things like, so for us, regardless of gender, um, all the kids are going to get an education. But then that is pushed out differently in the boys and the girls. And so we've had our girls do some sports, like all of them did various sports, but there are other sports that you'd be like over my dead body. Like, no, you, there's no way you're going to go get into that because it isn't serving the larger purpose of making you feminine or more right. a more godly woman in this role. So there's plenty of things that we just flat wouldn't have wanted our daughters to participate in, even if it accomplished the same goal of they're learning discipline or they're learning, you know, to be on a team or whatever. Yeah. It could all be that, but it's also like, no, that's not feminine. You're or not doing also, it. It's not our best. It's not our best or only way of learning these lessons. This is, and right. so there is no, it's not like we say, we believe Christians should be diligent and then say, our, literally our only possible way for our daughter to learn to be diligent is if she has to do two a day wrestling practices. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, that's no. not the only way we can get there. Like, and that's. Right. Not only is it not the only way, it's not a way we're going to get there. You know, So like, I feel like it's, it's, for us, it was always something beyond the activity itself. I mean, you know, like it's, it's how does this play into the character formation? Because the character formation is by far more important than, oh, we're just a baseball family. Or, right, and actually that's a thing that there, there often is a real point where people are using, um, you get so into the thing itself that you lose all perspective of it being just a tool that a godly parent might want to well, use. At I'm going to just throw this out here about being a reader because yeah. this is one where I feel like parents tube this all the time yeah. where of course we wanted our kids to be readers. That's, that's great, but not just as an end in itself. And I think a lot of people treat becoming a reader as an end in itself and create a very weird kink in their children because their kids like basically turn into the utterly introverted bookworm who can't ever leave their bedroom to do anything because we're just I'm just in here reading and then you have parents treat that as like see isn't it wonderful she's yeah, just a haven't reader I done a good job? and it's like no my word okay it's a good thing in its place <laughs> but you have just really done a weird thing to your child by encouraging it as if the activity itself is the virtue and the activity is it all depends on how you use it and what's it for and what are you reading and, and why do we want you to be a reader is it because we want you to be escaping constantly into a different universe of sci-fi thrillers or right. is it because we wanted you to be capable of engaging with the written word in a way that makes 
scripture and knowledge of God open up to you and gives you great pleasure in creating and enjoying. Like, there's a lot of wonderful, wonderful reasons to want your kids to read. But it's not the thing. It's not like, it's not enough to just... No, and it, could, and it could turn you into a very lopsided person. Just like, imagine if somebody got really obsessed with, like, working out their forearms, but nothing I else I will say, this on is, their body. for those of you who have little kids, though, one of, I, I think, a surefire technique to make your kids into diligent readers was our, uh, at least it worked with our kids, was that it, we would say it's time for bed. And going to bed was always get a book and, like, get ready for bed and get in. You can read a bit. Mm. I like how I'm struggling to get to that. (laughs) What I'm, get a book, get a, (laughs) what I'm saying is we always let our kids read in bed. Not always for a long time. Sometimes we'd be like, or we would maybe say not tonight or whatever. But the, the going to bed is like, get a book, go get in bed. And that kind of downtime fun, it was like, I think it just made it, it was a sweet time. You know what I mean? That they liked, they liked reading, they liked talking about reading with each other. They're like, just. Yeah. um, Yeah. And, and I do think that that one is one where, I don't know, I, it's like the activity gets turned into a virtue, a standalone virtue, and I think that that's, that can be really weird. But we did want our kids to be readers. We wanted our kids to be educated. Yeah. But again, like, in order to form them into a specific kind of person, and we wanted all of them to be hardworking, which meant that they all, all of them, at different times and in different ways really had to go through seasons where they were working much harder than seemed reasonable and you know where it's just this is a tough year in school and you're on the team and you can't Uh no you can't let people down by not showing up to practice because you're tired Mm -hmm. you're just gonna have to go anyway and yep you're gonna have to stay up late studying for the test um, and yep. you know, yep, you're going to have to take the B because you're doing a lot and <laughs> whatever. Um, but all of that was, was not because we're so passionate about the subject matter as much as it was. We cared that passionate they... Passionate about the person Yeah, formation. that they learn yeah. to push through stuff. But I do think if you have a bunch of kids, you do have to be, um, sensible Yeah, like, we didn't, we did not enroll our children in, for us, it was a pretty natural line was when you can be on the school team. Right. Then we, like, they have, by that point, definitely earned it. Our boys, the younger boys, now there is younger football. uh, And so they have done more sports as young Mm -hmm. kids than Mm -hmm. when we had this big group of older kids all together when they were young. We were not putting everybody in a different sport. We were way more... Um, we did, after three years of homeschooling in England, um, when we came home the next year, I massively overcorrected into everybody was doing every activity that ever there was. It was really funny because I it was like all the kids were in elementary at mm-hmm. that point. And so there were no school teams. Mm -hmm. So it was like we had city league basketball. We had ballet lessons. We had everybody in piano. We had, and, and that year I was like, that's it children. No one may ever do an activity again (laughs) in your life. As long as you live. It was our one big year (laughs) for activities and now we're done. But, um, obviously we didn't do that, but there is such a thing as overdoing it. And, and then you're just. You're basically making life complete chaos for everyone. And mm-hmm. so it is It is a sort of balance of, like, you want to have... Home needs to be a, 
a factor in your children's lives. Totally. They, like, their home should not be their seat However, in the car. However, I do think that there can be an oversimplification that is like, uh, we need to have time to, like, sit around the table and talk or whatever. And there's a weird, like, that's good, but there's a weird way in which there's you can start. Sentimentalizing. You can, yes, and yep. where you can think, like, Oh, all this spiritual formation. Like, okay, one thing that I actually really appreciate about having kids in different activities is the weird little vignettes of times in the car you have with different kids. Sure. Where you're like, it's yeah. just different different combinations yeah. of people yeah. with you and different things. And I, but I think that the idea of we have to form their character by talking to them about their character is is uh usually it's not productive no like the way that you make conversations are productive that's it's yes but they're only productive when you're talking about something that everyone wants to talk about you have to have a thing to discuss no like just getting up to give another lecture to like for instance it's probably way less of a thing to be like girls you need to be domestic so let me get up here and tell you things <laughs> about what that means and how you're going to do it. Now, it's probably a lot more effective to have them be interested in their own time. Like, reading mm-hmm. a fun book about, so, you know, like where they're just learning and growing and picking up things and trying things. And in my experience, as much as I want my daughters to be domestic, over and over and over again... I see the wide open door of them becoming domestic that I want to slam. (laughs) (laughs) That everything in my heart wants to be like, no, you cannot sew with that. It will make a mess. And probably, and, and the funny thing that I think it is, is that my, my idealized mental place that I can go to is where I think I'm going to have a more calm, manageable situation where I say, okay, let's, let's start at the very beginning and thinking about what things do I want to teach you thoughtfully and with time and in a prepared way. And that little like sewing lesson sounds really fun to me. Right. It sounds really fun to me. Like, yeah. let me introduce you to the sewing machine. And here's how we're going to do it. And let me tell you, let me bestow upon you all my wisdom. And it's going to be so calm and it's going to be so great. Right. And we're going to come out of it with, like, something good. You know? Yeah. We're going to have yeah. done the thing. And do you know what, really, my <laughs> opportunities are for is someone wanting to sew when I think it is the last thing that we ought to be doing right now because yeah. it feels chaotic or it doesn't feel um, strategic or I'm not actually on top of it enough, right. which is the other thing. Like, would I like to have taught my children how to make pies by really being there for every moment of it? Probably. But do they make pies without me? <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> like, I'm not sure that I... Yeah. Like, I think I've given little hot tips here and there, but I never actually taught... Like, yeah. and, and the thing is, is I think that might be a bad example of this, but that's the version of people who idealize home time are imagining a world where they're going to bestow spiritual lessons in a calm thought through. Well, it means like I'm ready to really discuss with you biblical womanhood right now. Like of necessity, you have to shrink your world down to you all live in a little snow globe together because it like you actually cannot have that kind of life unless you put everybody in a very small so small small bubble and and the thing that I meant is that when it so the way that I imagine teaching my girls to sew say right is a much this is exactly what you're saying it is a much smaller imaginary world than the one that we're really living in. Because mm-hmm. the one that we're actually living in is like an enormous complex of snow globes. <laughs> and sometimes I'm in the middle of, like I'm really focused on a particular thing 
that does not actually include this person who's also right. in our family. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it doesn't, there's no clear role that she, and so if that person is using this exact moment to be like, I'd like to quilt. <laughs> and I, I'm like, have you no heart? <laughs> Not really, guys. I'm kinder than that. But my point is, I'm talking about the impulse of your flesh, which is like, sure. who are you? Yeah. And I, you know, like, and then when someone is like, this seems like as good a time as any for me to fill in the blank. You're like, try making meringue. You're like, yeah, I don't even know what world you're in. But this is the snow globe problem is that in my imagination, the little world that they're going to learn these things in that I care very deeply about and I care to teach them. Well, the thing is, though, that like those spiritual lessons, it is actually worlds better to teach your kids the things as your real life is unfolding. And our life is much bigger than I feel like I have control I of. I think, though, the perfect metaphor for how your life ought to be, if you're, like, for a kid, is, well, obviously, I'm talking about sort of not an infant, whatever, but, you know, like a, a child growing up in your house. It really should be like a yo-yo where they go out and then they come back. And then mm-hmm. they go out and they come back. And that going out could be just, like, reading a book or whatever. Like, I don't I don't mean, like... But they experience something else, but then they always... It, it has to come back to home. Because I think some people want their kids to be the yo-yo that never goes out. Like, it's... We all stay right here the whole time. I control everything. And uh-huh. this is a very, very sweet, very sentimental, very wonderful togetherness we all have. Then there's other people who just kind of like fling their kids to the four winds, never touch base. Who knows yeah. what their kids' activities are or what the coach said or what they're learning from anybody on the team or what. Or if they, they're ever evaluating if this was spiritually healthy yeah, or for like, this or child. Or what did or... they learn in school today? Like, I feel like that coming back is so important because like of, of all the things like those around the dinner table discussions where you're talking about what did go down at recess today or what did happen in practice or what did the teacher say about that issue or mm-hmm. how are you talking to your friend about this other thing? Like that point of contact around the table matters a lot in raising your kids, but it matters a lot less if they don't have anything that they're working through. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you kept them, all day. No, like uh, in over and over, I can think of the real basic, basic. Um, we did a lot of training in our home for dealing with certain things. Oh, yeah. Where you have conflict with siblings or you have whatever. And we're like, this is how, this is the way I want you to deal with this. This is how we're not going to do this. This is what, whatever. But it's not until everyone's going out and having issues that they come back to talk about it and you're like now we can use these principles that yeah. we know we laid out yep. in your youth but yeah. in that with those principles you're actually going to have to go apply it in the field <laughs> yeah. in a different way than than yeah. this this little world was this little um at home world kind of but I, I but that yo-yo I just feel like it has to be said that that's wonderful if it's regularly back at the table with your family but I would say the heart of all of this ought to be the Lord's table it ought to be worship like well, the weekly course, yeah no but I'm saying your family life structure ought to be about the non-negotiable return yeah to worship the weekly yeah. worship with God's people and totally. and that that rhythm of life is the really fundamental we go we do the work we come back and what we are living out in our homes is a smaller picture of what right. we're doing there like where we go out we come back we fellowship at the table we go out we come back and and I don't even I don't mean like with that yo-yo metaphor. I'm not saying, and that means you can't homeschool. That's not what I'm saying. It's not like they have to necessarily physically leave. 
Although I do think that's an important piece in many ways. Like it would be weird if you raised all your kids who never did anything outside right. the home. That would be very strange. But, but I mean like mentally, you know, like you're going to, you're going to learn about this subject, but you're going to come back and we're going to talk about it and, and help you work through it or whatever. I just think that it has to be, um, you have to be actively engaged in each one of the kids. And if you have multiple kids, you know that it's very hard to successfully run a lot of yo-yos at the same time. And so it can be really tempting to put all your kids on the assembly line of like, no, we're just going to, we're just going to make one product in this house. Right. We're going to turn out five kids that are all exactly the same and that's a problem too. Like you have to, like each one of these little individuals is their own bundle of temptations and talents and desires and opportunities and all of those things. So you really have to like treat each kid very, you know, as their own unique thing. But at the same time, you have your family culture. There's things were that are important in this family, but not giving into the temptation to be like, in order to streamline my life, all of you kids have to be exactly the same. Well, that's what I uh, hated about that book that yeah. I hated. Yeah. The large family logistics is like each one of your children is just a, a chore doing pod of <laughs> yeah. humanity and that yeah. there's no, uh, variation in, mm-hmm who like there's no like and and I think I mentioned this on here sometimes I'm like okay guys here's how it's gonna go you two are the people that I'm gonna tell to do stuff and these other like right now it's not going to be fair and equitable all the Mm -hmm. time it's going to be like I'm focusing Mm -hmm. on you two being good helpers in my life and I just think that you really have to look at each kid uniquely because what you might be finding that one of your kids you're having to say, no, you know what? You are going to go to the class party. Like you are going to, because it's going to be good for you to have to go and try to enjoy some people and you will. And then you might to that very same person's sister be saying, no, I think you can skip the class party. You know, I don't think you need that. And And it's not because like in our family, we have one take and one take only on class parties. It's like, no, we have children who are tempted differently, who have their own strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes you're trying to really build up strength in those weak spots. And other times you're trying to really help them excel in places they're naturally strong. And it's just going to look different with each kid. But I do think there's, and there's, I just want to come around to this with the parenting situation, which is you really, really really have to walk by faith and trust the Lord Mm -hmm. and parent to his glory and with open hands to him, asking him to make whatever little efforts you're doing. Because the reality is the efforts that we make of like, this is the kind of person we would like this child to be are very lame compared (laughs) to what we're hoping God does with it. And trusting him to do that and being um, diligent and constant, but not squeezing on your kids so hard. Like you're going to shape them into like, you know what? Like an example would be like, say you want a son to be tough Mm -hmm. and you're like, I'm going to encourage him to be tough. So when he gets in trouble and he's getting teary, I'm going to be, The mom who's right there being like, why are you getting teary? Why are you not being tough? Why are you? And like, instead of like being a suffocating presence in his life, (laughs) instead of giving people a little bit of room to breathe, like Mm. maybe he looks teary because he's trying to collect himself while he's trying to be tough. And you're being the mom of the hypercritical, I have a goal in mind, so I'm going to pick at everything. So maybe the teary is a bad example, but think of a, think of a, um, daughter who is being less gracious than you would like her to be. And you're there to be like, not like that, but you know, no, Mm -hmm. don't say 
hold the plate like this and say, would you like a cookie? Why did you do it like that? That's weird. Put the napkins over here. Like there's a way of trying to imprint a virtue that just is never going to take. No. And it's definitely, it's, it's definitely going to, what's that, um, therapy they do to people where they take their addiction and then make it horrific. Aversion therapy. Aversion. Basically, what you're doing is you're creating a, your own little aversion mm-hmm. therapy for your children on things they'll hate forever. You know what they <laughs> should hate forever? Manning up and being tough. Or hate forever being kind gracious. and hospitable or yeah. gracious. Or they'll hate forever getting dressed up because mom yeah. was all over them about their dry elbows. Or whatever. <laughs> well, I will also say, though, too. One temptation that I think many people succumb to is they sort of project what they want their child to turn out like, and they've picked all the wrong category of things. So they may decide at a young age, like, I really want her to be a ballerina, like over everything else, I want her to be a ballerina. Or I want him to be a football player. Or I want her to be, you know, just name that skill, whatever. And there's nothing wrong with your family really enjoying different things, you know. And so there's people who are hikers. And there's people who are, you know, they like to fish. Or people who are really into, like, watching sports. Whatever. You've got your own family you know, stuff that you do. But when you're thinking, what do I want my kid to be like? It really needs to be actual virtues, right? Not weird hobbies. And I and I feel like there are ways in which those hobbies can reinforce. Like the thing virtues. I desperately care about is that we be disc golfers. Yeah, or just like I sure hope that she is naturally thin so that she can be a ballerina, you know, or whatever. Like, what if God gave you a nice little short stocky daughter? I mean, <laughs> that's just, you don't want to be let down about how your child is turning out if they're just interested I actually, in something I else. I think the way that people do this is more often, uh, it's, it's like just not receiving. It's trying to, well, I don't I don't mean to be like plugging my own book here, but this is an issue of Christian identity. (laughs) But nevertheless, this is just an issue of Christian identity because it's you're trying to build who you think you are instead of gladly receiving who God is making you. And I don't mean just you. I mean your whole family. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I actually feel like I just have, I mean, I had to reread you who, um, not, I must have been in was after I had Ezra. I had to re-listen to it. Okay. And I was and I was struck by how much I still believe that. And <laughs> also what a tremendous mercy it is to us. Like I recently saw I saw a picture of Luke and I in the hospital before we had Ezra and I was like, "Oh, that's funny because it wasn't very long ago and it looks to me like that's when we were still children (laughs) like I mean like that was so not and I but the reason it made me feel like that's when we were still children not because we've aged so much not because I didn't mean that like not that but more like that's us before we knew who we were okay do you know what I mean like when you see a picture of yourself as a kid you're like back when you had literally no idea you know like when I was like 17 I had no idea what my life would look like And right before we had Ezra, I really had no idea what our life would look like and what God was actually doing. Sure. And if, if I had, if you had your identity all tied up in something you were trying to craft or do rather than just faithfully following the Lord, then those sorts of things are much bigger, uh, much bigger upsets in your life. Like you're like, oh... God gave us a daughter who doesn't, you know. Yeah. In spite of me being a Toastmasters champion, (laughs) we had a baby with a lisp. Lisp. Yeah. Yeah. Like, or what, where you're like, how could this happen to us? This upsets everything we planned. It's like, no, it, 
it shouldn't because right. you shouldn't have been trying to create yourselves like that. Right. And so I do think that you need to see all of the activities that you have your kids in, no matter what they are, whether they're really important things like education or less important things like really getting good at, you know, fly tying or something. All of those things can be used to, to, um, make a person more and more like Christ or to pull them away and make them further and further right, like from. could be so, used for discipleship either right. to Christ or to the world. Right. So for us, education was a non-negotiable because, you know, that, but it wasn't any old education. It was a very specific kind of education. And of course, academics are one of the leading things that can pull people away, can become a little yucky idol. I mean, academics are not inherently virtuous. We believed that they were necessary for our kids to make them into a certain kind of person, but not because academics are an end in itself. And the same with like, is football making your son a better Christian or a worse Christian? Is, you know, the baking classes your daughter is in making her a better Christian or a worse Christian? And I, and I think like, are the 712 activities that you have all your kids in making all of you better or worse? Right. And, you know, so it seems like it's a constant assessment is my... Totally. It is a constant assessment. And also just because that message was had a lot of things about our own lives. Just keep in mind that this is over a great many years and a, two different families and a lot of children with different gifts and abilities. Right. And then also lots of seasons where... We may yeah. have a really busy season and then not as much. And we might not punctuate those uh, on the podcast because we probably say it when it's crazy and then don't comment on when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like we're just always folding more activities yeah, in. Yeah, but it's also never... like, you know, you've got one kid who gets really good at one thing and another kid who gets really good at something else. That doesn't mean everyone in the family got good at guitar all of a sudden. It's just... One <laughs> did. We had a delegate. We had the one person <laughs> go do that. <laughs> All right. So, do you have a tip? I already gave my tip. Do you oh. have a tip? Um, I did. Can't remember it now. I have a um. No, that's not a tip. Never mind. What Come was in. your tip? I forgot. Oh, the app. Yeah. The done app. Yeah. The done app. Yeah, well. Do not have one back. I was really counting on you here. I know. You know. It's really. I actually really did have one. I'm not even making that up. But. But you lost it. It's gone. With the wind. Lost in transit. Don't know. Don't know what it was. Okay. Well. Until. We meet again. Until we meet again. Make up your own tips. Because <laughs> I know you rely on us. So hard. You're like, all I need. The only reason I can have no success in my life (laughs) if they won't give me a tip. (laughs) All right. Until next time. Bye bye. Bye.